Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire war games. This is episode 103. Hi, Albert. Hey, how are you doing, Julius? Doing well. Everything going well with you? I hear you've had some breakdowns and various other things over there. Yeah, life has been very busy. You know, it's it's the end of May also, and the end of May is always just extra busy. And and then things happen like your washing machine breaks when it's running and and you get a poo in the garage. Well, is the end of May filled with the doldrums for you? Uh, you know, just for the doldrums of no pledging. <laughs> so yeah, the Kickstarter's going. That's exciting. The, what Kickstarter, The Kickstarter Albert? for our challenge coin, for the One Player Guild challenge coin. What One Player Guild challenge coin, Albert? It is the challenge coin. Uh, you got to go to Kickstarter and look for, for the the Kickstarter project I started. It is the One Player Guild challenge coin. It's a, the first annual commemorative challenge coin for the One Player Guild. Many more to come, hopefully. And it's just a one and a half, one and three quarter inch coin that you could use during gaming. Um, one and three quarter inch. Yep. One. You couldn't just make a nice round two inch coin. You know, I've got a two inch coin. It's too big. I didn't like it. I actually what? Okay, I actually <laughs> the size I like the best so far has been one and five eighths inch, five eighths inches. Between one and a half and one and a qu- three quarters. <laughs> Okay, that is it just, random. Well, I don't know. The size just for me feels better. But anyway, so the the coin I put it, we put it on Kickstarter. Um, it funded amazingly in about twelve hours, which is great. Unfortunately, part of the reason that happened was because I think I underestimated how much I needed to ask for pledges as a minimum. But that doesn't matter because it already passed what I probably should have asked for, and I think we're at about twenty five hundred dollars. As of today, it's been live for I think about four days or so, five days. And it's a 21-day campaign, ending, I guess, around the 7th of June. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So hopefully there's going to be plenty of time to stall back after we're done with this podcast. There should be. There should be like another let me see, week-ish one, or something. Two, yeah, about a little over a week at that point. Or about a week. So it should be fine. Um and it's going well, you know. It, it's a it's a fun project. There's not a lot of banter, maybe because it's you know only a hundred people or so, but it, there is a lot of fun banter. People keep asking for things like stretch goals and things like that. Oh, are there going to be any stretch goals? You know, probably not because uh, the I am not making this a, a project to make money on it. So I have um, budgeted to be very very uh, close to the bone. Either there's going to be a little bit of profit or none at all. Well, currently it's all in gray. Got any other colors? No, there is going to be color. The front's going to have well, the front's going to have black, and okay. and bare metal, and then the back will have a little bit of white and a little yellow di- the triangle on the bottom. But that's it. It's not a lot of color. Maybe future coins will have more color, but this one I didn't put in much. Part of the reason is because they charge more if you have too many colors. It depends on the company. Um. And the, the neat thing again is the the front side has the logo of the one player guild, which is that three the D six with the ones on each side. And the way it's made, it's going to be three D, so that part is going to stick out above the rest of the deck, and you could spin it. So you can use it as a spinner. People are joking about how you can use it for a spinner to to pick the first start player um, for a solo game. We're working on making a rule book for the for the coin. Is this going to be a downloadable rule book? I, print and play? 
You know, if I actually get a rule book made, I may actually just print it out like at a FedEx place. You know, not, not spend a lot of money, basically, and print it out and include it in with every copy or something. Good luck with we'll that. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> are, are we including any cards for um, any of uh, Van Ryder game stuff? You know, I hadn't thought of that. That's not a bad idea. I should do that. I should talk to, to AJ about that. I have mentioned AJ was very gracious and stepped up and he said he will pay for the mode fees and some of the other costs associated with producing this. Which has brought the pledge level, the the uh, the cost of each coin down considerably. I think originally I was estimating it would be about eight fifty or so, or eight. I don't remember exactly. And because of AJ paying for the uh, the setup fees, it's now about six fifty, six seventy five a coin, which is really neat. Is he going to have any of the coins available at his booth or something? A Gen Con or something no, like that. We haven't talked about anything like that, not necessarily. Uh-huh. Um. He just offered to pay for part of it, okay, which is really neat. So yeah, maybe I should include some uh, some ads or something for his uh, for some of his games. I don't know. Yeah, of course. I'm guessing everybody in the one player guild already knows about AJ and his games. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we were discussing it before. Like, you know, when I think of AJ and his games, I think of Hostage Negotiator, but I don't yeah. so much think of. The other three that we brought to mind last time, or the other four that we brought to mind last time, that may be because I think some of them aren't out yet. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's got three published games, and the first one, um, what is it, When I'm Going Down? If I'm yeah. Going Down? That one is out of print at this point. I believe he doesn't have any copies left, so it's no longer available anyway. The other two would be Hostage Negotiator and Tessin. Mm-hmm. And Tessin, I'm pretty sure, is still available. The other two games are Kickstarter games that have not been um, delivered yet. So they're still in production. Salvation Road and Saloon Tycoon, which Saloon Tycoon, personally, I'm really interested in. It looks neat. It does look really neat. Oh, excuse me. Anyway, so any other news going around? Um, the only other thing I can think of, because I've I've been too busy to really keep up with stuff, is that the uh, one player gaming awards from the one player guild succeed finished and are over, and there's the the winners have been announced. So we could go over those if you like. Sure. How is the one player guild awards chosen? That is um, through guild members voting. A geek list is set up for each of the categories. There's about five or six categories. Game of the Year, I believe, um, Expansion of the Year, uh, Print and Play Game of the Year, a few others, and there's a couple Hall of Fame categories, um, Designer Hall of Fame, Game Hall of Fame, and BGG User Hall of Fame. And basically, for each of these categories, you could nominate anybody you want. There's a nomination period. At that point, the top nomination receivers are submitted to the voting process and anybody could vote on it. And this is done all through Geeklist by thumbing the Geeklist. And the Hall of Fame categories each have two two winners each year and the rest are one each. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me go find that list because I don't actually have it handy. Well, I've got the list up for each of them, I believe, maybe. All right, so who is the winners? All right, so for the best solitaire game is Hostage Negotiator. Look at that, AJ Porfirio's game. 
Congratulations, find, AJ. I find it funny. That feels like it, it really did that just come out in 2015. <laughs> I it, suppose so. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Feels old. And it's already on the second printing, and I'm sure more to come. And a big box expansion. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. Did you see, um, I think it was Kevin Kitchens published a variant where you could print out your own um, hostages. I did see it, and it gives Custom a name hostages. and a story to each of the hostages. And also, I think like when one is rescued or killed, like it changes something in the game. I haven't reviewed all the cards yet, but I think it's not just theme. I think it also has a mechanic where something changes. Yeah, I think so. There's rules to it. I yeah. haven't... I haven't had time to look through it, but I, I did print most of it out. I think I'm going to wait till the big box is available, because honestly, I don't think I could fit it on the small box at this point. <laughs> I hear that. I mean, to me, already the theme of the Hostage Gosher hits you really hard. And mm-hmm. to now add actual names and faces to those faceless yellow meeples, I don't know. Yep. Well, you know, when I was playing, I already had some personalities for my meeples. I had that handicap one that was broken and yeah. the other one with a little bullet shot in the head. That's more of a joke, though. I mean... Well, not really. I mean, I really did take it seriously when uh, when the you? handicap guy got shot. Yeah. It really was okay. very thematic. <laughs> I don't know. For me, I when I'm playing with um, Flashpoint Fire Rescue, I kind of prefer... There's the one of the Kickstarters, you can get the more realistic people tokens and you can mm-hmm. or you can use the less realistic people tokens i don't know i kind of prefer to think of the whole thing as cartoony to a certain degree and so i like the less realistic meeples now i haven't tried this new expansion to see how it actually feels and my opinion may change once i actually try it um but without having tried it to me it's just like oh my gosh it makes it even even more you know hit you in the heart feels hmm mm-hmm yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to trying it. I, I am. I just. I don't have the time right now. Mm. So next up is the best solitaire variant. Now, um, I believe these are unofficial variants. The may include official variants. The winner for this was the Red Jacks Automated Imperial Variant for Star Wars Imperial Assault. And this is a Imperial Assault is the. It's sort of like Descent. It's a dungeon crawl game set in the Star Wars universe. Have you played this game? I have not played it at all. Do you want a copy of this game? I, You know, my wife would love a copy of this game. I just don't see it actually <laughs> ever getting played. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I agree. I don't have a copy of it either, but it looks nice. It does. It does look good. I do have Descent, and I, and I want to play that. And I, with the I new know. app that got released? I want to play with the app. I, have, well, I haven't played it at all yet. I've been trying to read the rules. As a matter of fact, I tried starting that today and that didn't get far at all. Because with the new app, you can play it completely solitaire. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it seems to manage stuff. I, I want to look into that. I just, yeah. Well, I'll, once I'll, you I'll do, you'll get to that. Once you do, you'll report here and let us all know. Definitely. Yep. The, uh, the, next, up cat- the next category is Best Solitaire Expansion. And that is a game we covered recently, Conflict of Heroes Eastern Front Solo Expansion. So recently it was our last episode. That's right. <laughs> and this is the automated AI that, that's pretty neat and, and very unique system. And you know, I'm not surprised at all that it won. Honestly, what when I saw that there's an expansion category and that was in there, I figured it was, it was a shoe in. Because it's a neat system. All right. The, the next category 
The best multiplayer game played solitaire. This is something I've been curious about and I keep avoiding, but I'm wanting to try it. The concept of multiplayer games played solitaire or Runebound? Runebound 3rd Edition, specifically. So that's the one that you're curious about? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I've heard people play solitaire a lot and people like it and I've wanted to try it. Um, More likely it happened solitaire than otherwise. But yeah, that that's a that game just came out last year, didn't it? Yeah, yeah Runebound was un, unavailable for quite a few years, and the price has gone crazy on it. Mm-hmm. And the second edition had some solitaire variant. I, don't, I th- think it was unofficial, but I'm not. I'm actually not sure about that. I believe the third edition just doesn't have a, a variant, at least not yet. And I guess it's different enough that you can't use a second edition variant for it. I honestly, I know, I know very little about Runebound, so. Mm-hmm. All right. The next category is the best solitaire print-and-play game. And the winner of that is a game I am waiting for a copy to arrive at my house because it is no longer print-and-play only. It is Deep Space D6. Yep. And I think that's it. I think backers are right now getting theirs. You should get yes. yours very, very soon, Albert. It arrived in uh, Europe first. And the, ah, the U.S. Rece- yeah, the copies have not arrived in the U.S. yet, so I think they're expected to show up in a couple weeks, and then start shipping after that. Okay. So yeah, I'm seeing it getting played, and it's exciting. I'm a little surprised that the best solitaire print and play game differs from the winner of the print and play solitaire contest. Hmm. That is interesting. Because yeah. Audacity won the contest, but Deep Space D6 won Best Solitaire Print and Play. Now, how many votes did they each get? I'm sure they both got voted on. Let's see. 38 votes for Deep Space D6 and Austerity 16. And you know, I think that's because of the Kickstarter. Because print and play is not nearly as accessible as when you step up and say, I'm actually printing, I'm, I'm publishing the game and you can buy your own nice copy of it. Now that, I mean, you, you may think I'm wrong about my opinions on Deep Space T6, but I think that there wasn't a lot of art that changed from the origin, from the print and play to the published one. It's still mostly monochromatic. It has some color, has more color, but it's not like it went for a whole new different look when it went from print and play to going to um, the published version, like I've seen with some other print and play games. So Mm -hmm. even, I mean, it's not like it had more minis or more standees or there are a lot of feature changes. It's not that different from the print and play. It's still as good as it always was in the print and play, but it's so much more well-known and so much more popular. I feel like it's because it had the Kickstarter that really made it, you know, go that extra extra realm extra push yeah I, I think you're right you know i think a lot of people know about it so they vote it uh, you know just reflexively mm-hmm. and i you know i kept wanting to do stuff like that i i forced myself to not vote for a game unless i'd played it even if i thought it was really great because of its reputation or what or because it looked great and that was hard to do so i actually voted for very few things in this contest well, I mean, you probably played one of these print and plays, did you not? No, I have not. Really? I just I haven't played I haven't done print and play much in a while. Ah, interesting. 
Mm-hmm. No, I keep wanting to just. I don't know. I don't get my printer's not very good. I don't like printing on this anymore. <laughs> and and lately, the printer. I, if I want to print, yeah, totally, it's his fault. If I want to print something out, I will go to like FedEx and pay, and pay fifty cents and print it out in color if it's one sheet. What about using like tabletop simulator? Austerity is only one sheet. Oh, it's not one sheet. It's two sheets. Is it okay? You know, the other thing I'll do is sometimes I'll print it at work. I print it at work, but then again, uh, yeah, get, I have no problem. Yeah. I have no problem going to my work because it's my office. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, the the home printer is inkjet, and if it gets wet, it gets ruined. So, and and having dogs and kids and cats, it's bound to happen. Have you considered using something like? Um, tabletop simulator or something like that for trying out these types of games not really you know i've i've kind of looked into those programs before but eh, i don't care for playing games online okay, so much I, hear that. I mean i've i actually did print off a copy of aiden decker um deep space d6 and austerity so that's the top three here on the best solitaire print to play I printed them all off during the contest. I don't think I did Magic Realm Light 30, which is the close fourth. I don't know why I didn't. Hmm. I imagine Magic Realm Light is still pretty heavy. Maybe that's why. Because Magic Realm... Uh, it's a light solo version of Magic Realm, which is played in 30 minutes on oh, a single okay. A4 printed sheet. Are you familiar sheet. with Magic Realm? That game, people have printed out their own copies, but that that's a huge monster. Yeah, it's huge. You know, it, it's... It's cheaper to go spend $100 to pay somebody else to print it out for you. <laughs> oh, I know why I haven't done that. Because it's a paper ah, okay. and pencil one. And that means that I can't ah, play the pencil. Yep. Maybe I should do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'd say try Maybe it. Maybe I will. It only, only takes 30 it. minutes. All right. I'm going to do it. Hopefully by next podcast, we'll at least have tried it once. Mm-hmm. All right, so those are the best ca- best categories for 2016, and then what's left is the three Hall of Fame categories. First up is the Hall of Game Hall of Fame for games, and for, to be entered in the Hall of Fame, there's a, a couple restrictions. The game, right? Maybe just one. The game must be originally at least ten years old. So, so a game that came out in the last five years or eight years just couldn't even be nominated. Um, and this is sort of just to to find games that really do stand the test of time and really maybe do deserve to be in a Hall of Fame. So there's always two winners for this category, two or two inductees, I guess. And this year they are Arkham Horror and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. And uh, those are both really neat games. I have played Arkham Horror. I remember when it came out. That was really now, then here's a real question. Should Arkham Horror belong since it was re-implemented by Fantasy Flight? I, I mean, are they continuing to support Arkham Horror now that they have Eldritch Horror out? Um, well, I don't know if they're still supporting it or not. Nothing's come out for it in a while that I know of, for it in a couple of years. But, you know, many of the other games in the Hall of Fame are, are completely out of print at this point. Actually, if you look back, this is the only one... Well... This is the first year that any games are in print. At this I point. hear that. So, so I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, is, is this game going to get uh, support going forward? I don't know. I kind of don't think so. I think they've probably decided they've they've run through it unless they do some really small expansions. I don't think they're going to make any more big expansions. Mm-hmm. The, the game is a monster already. If you have all the expansions, 
that's just it's a monster of a game. <laughs> Agreed. Mm-hmm. But it is a neat game. And then Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, that's another neat game. We talked about it last week, I think, briefly. It's a paragraph game. Um, yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. And it is a fun game. It's neat. You you go and you read and you, you try and solve a crime. And you really do just get to role-play Sherlock Holmes. Um... And then we have the Hall of Fame for users. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's go look at that. And this is BGG users, so somebody that has contributed to, to the one-player guild and solitary gaming in general. And the two inductees this year are Kevin Erskine. Erskine? Um... He is the person that runs the the top hundred on the one player guild every year, and he he does other things, um, including promoting a lot of specific games that are really popular. And he runs something else, doesn't he? I don't remember what it is, but I think he does. I don't know. It's hard for me to be able yeah. to remember how these work without having to look them up. Let me look at his right. Yeah. The, the other person, I'm sorry, is Ryan Mobile. And he is a person that started the Solitaire Games on Your Table monthly lists. As well as other stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think if I remember correctly, both of these people... Really jo- enjoy the um, the leader series games. You know, Kevin talked about the Apache. Was it one of the was it Apache leader? I don't remember. I don't know. Thunderbolt Apache leader. He talked about that one recently on this show. He covered it, and I know Ryan also enjoys those games. If I remember right, so maybe maybe that's what it took this year to get nominated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but congratulations to both of you. Uh, well deserved. And then finally, design designer. Des- yeah, designer. Yeah, designers. It's not a Z, it's an S. Okay, and so this year we have two inductees again. Um, Joseph Faluda and Morton Monrad Pedersen. Joseph Faluda is the designer of... Oh, I draw a blank. What's his game called? Um, Leaving Earth. Mm-hmm. A very popular game, a space exploration game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not played it, and, and I guess I'm kind of surprised he was considered the got the most votes for designer of the year because he's only got one design. And at this point, it's still hard to get, so it just must be it must be really good. It game. must be really good, but I don't have it either. <laughs> I'd like to play it. It sounds cool. I mean, I like the concept. I did uh, contact him to see if he'd come on the show and talk about the game, considering he he got nominated to the Hall of Fame. That'd be fun to talk to him. And how'd that go? Um, he's busy trying to get the game printed <laughs> um, through a publisher. He said, "Try talk. Let's try talking again in June." Fair enough. Which works for me. <laughs> you know, I couldn't do it before then either. So perfect. So hopefully we'll get to talk to him soon. Fair enough. I look forward to that. And then Mort- Morton Monrad Peterson, who has done a lot for Solitaire Gaming, like as a as a blogger, as a designer. As a blogger, yeah, as a designer. So he's designed the the auto, uh, automa, automas for 
for some Stonemaier games for a couple different mm-hmm. ones, right? For Viticulture and Between and Two Scythe. Cities. And I think and Scythe also. That's right. That's not out yet. I, I think, think it's also coming. To and Backers. he's done some other games. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so not only has he done this, but he has he's discussed this a lot publicly when how to do this and use this sort of system and design style to to encourage other people to do it. Mm-hmm. And so again, congratulations to both of you. All right, so we're on to Kickstarter. Have you seen any new Kickstarters, Albert, since now you're all Kickstarter professional and everything? <laughs> no, you know what's interesting about Kickstarter? I didn't know this, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but when you have a Kickstarter campaign, you get a lot of spam. Yes, you do. <laughs> From who? From people trying to, to sell you advertising services. To, to, oh, seriously? To, 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 you know, to tell people about your product or whatever it is you're Kickstarting. Some are sort of where it's like, if you back mine, I'll back yours. But yeah. others are like, you know, if you give me $15, I'll tweet this to however many people. One person I said, like, you know, I have a a million followers or something. I'll tweet it to them. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm ignoring this. <laughs> and it's interesting. And I was, the first week, I got a bunch of those. Yeah. The first three days, I probably got like 10 spam emails. That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to be receiving. Yeah, I found that there's a way to block, not to block spam, but report spam on Kickstarter. So I just started doing that. And they stopped spamming me. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, but, talking about mm-hmm. other Kickstarter games, um, I think it's a, a relatively quiet time for Kickstarter in general. Although we, we haven't seen very many solo games or co-op games at the moment. We have a, we have a couple solo variants and one co-op game. Um, let's talk about the solo, uh, the co-op game first. Okay. One deck. Ah, that's not right. One deck dungeon. And I'd love to send you a link, but it's not working right this second. There we go. It's one deck dungeon. One deck dungeon is a teeny tiny little game. It's only 54 cards and it's just designed to be one other, one small co-op game with, um, a bunch of dice and you know the deck to the dungeon <laughs> i suppose hard hard to get around saying that multiple times because it's just one deck dungeon um the whole idea of the game is that you are you're an adventurer with various different powers and stats trying to run down the gameplay and you'll roll combat and each turn you'll be flipping over the um, dungeons, see what you encounter, see if you get any perils or some loot or items or bad guys, and you'll be able to start picking up extra abilities or extra level ups, and you'll tuck it under your player mat so that you get more abilities and more powers, or you get higher stats, and you keep running through that until you get through the dungeon. It's an only, it's a one to two player game. Um, and I mean, looking at this, it almost looks like it's designed to be just a one player game. Like I'm reminded of Dungeon Roll, which mm-hmm, yeah. to me, Dungeon Roll always looked like it was designed to be a one player game because when one person's playing, there's really just one person playing. With this one, I think everyone is able to sort of interact with everyone at the same time and pair off against everyone. But I mean, really, you're going through the dungeon by yourself, I think, to my understanding. 
looks neat for a solo game. Looks very neat for a solo game and for a little inexpensive one. It's only twenty dollars to get a full copy of the game. Oh, not bad. Yeah, cheap, nice little game. Cool. And this is a uh, by Asmadi Games. Yes, the same people who did Red Seven. Red Seven. Okay, they've done a few other games. I know they, I've heard of them. They have been. They have been doing a number of these small little games. Yep. So that's been what they've I, been doing. I think what they're most well known for is probably Innovation, which is a, a card game. Probably came out about six years ago or so. Neat game. Not really solitaire though. There's a solitaire variant for it. But neat game. Not something I can remember playing. Mm-mm. Okay. I haven't played it in years. The person that owned it didn't enjoy it, so we never got it out again. <laughs> but I liked it. Okay. Oh, and they made Sanitarium. I remember seeing that in Kickstarter a few years yes, ago. Yes, they did. That's another. That that's a, a larger co-op game. game that they made, though. Is it? Okay. I do believe. I believe that was like a dungeon crawl type game. Like a, a big, bigger dungeon crawl type game, not this small little one. I thought that was a card game. But maybe not. Sanitarium? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Unfortunately, we're not talking about that game. We're talking about the oh, one yeah. deck dungeon. That, that was years ago. That's right. The, go back to episode seventeen if you want to see the Kickstarter report for that one. Are you kidding? Really? <laughs> That's funny. Well, I don't know what show, but may, I think I probably covered it at some point. Long, long, long ago. I, yeah, way, way back. Sweet. Right. Anyway. So anyway. So yeah, it's got dice. Just a bunch of different colored dice for rolling to see how well you do against stuff. It's got the deck of cards. Um, I like the graphics art on it. The um, the animation style looks nice. It's the line drawn cartoons. Mm-hmm. Looks like fun. Yep, it it does, and it's like you said, it's very reminiscent of Dungeon Roll. I mean, the, well, and art and everything. I mean, the art is. I don't think the mechanics are because in Dungeon Roll you're trying to match the dice. Dungeon Roll is like it's a fully dice game. This is more like a card game. Mm-hmm. With a couple, yep. with a little bit of dice to randomize your, to act as a randomizer for your cards. But anyway, so that one's going to be finishing up on June 9th. Okay. And then we have two others that are solo variants, and they're solo variants only. Um, and both of these look really neat to me, but they're only solo variants, so I think I'm going to cut them a little bit more briefly. Um, the first one is Tramways. And Tramways is coming out from the same people who've done Small City, and they also did Clinic, I think is how you pronounce that one, and Town Center. So they have a number of different games already that they're developing in this sort of city theme. In Tramways, what you're doing is you're building a tram or a subway system between the different parts of the city and you're going to be owning it and you're going to be trying to shuffle around meeples, workers, people from place to place. You'll be building your rail and you'll be upgrading your rail and you'll be um, industrializing sections. So you'll actually be having people start living in sections so that you can have a demand come from that place. And you're just going to essentially be building rails and moving passengers around and taking more and more actions from doing that and it's got another solo variant i think it's a solo variant against a um die roll randomizer i do believe okay i'm not even, not even certain and is the variant already developed do you know uh the variant is already developed i think it's part of the core rules give me just a second let me look at the rules 
Yeah, the solo variant, it's already in the rules and it's already fleshed out. Um, it's sort of similar to the way it works in Suburbia, how it just plays like a two-player game. But, you know, there's some slight differences for how the auction works and how some extra stuff will be coming out from the, uh, you know, essentially the computer about taking stuff. And you're fighting against yourself. It's a high score type thing, or you're scoring against a um, rating level for how well you've done. So you're not fighting to win. You're fighting for a high score. Similar to sort of the one of the variants in Suburbia, I don't mind it. I think the game itself looks neat. Um, having to put down tiles and build your tram out of little their chipboard tokens in the various tram directions. So you're actually putting down tokens to indicate where your tramway is going around, and you're connecting to the to the waterfront, and you're connecting around, and you're interspersing them. If you've ever seen an actual tram map, how you sort of have all the different pieces overlaying each other and going this way, that that's what it, the board starts to look at as you start to develop everything else. So I think that the theme really gets hit on pretty well. looks like a neat little game to me. So that's tramways. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a map of uh, the London underground. Exactly. And that's exactly. Or the New York subway, whichever system, yeah. whichever one you're most familiar with. I think they're going for New York since I believe that they have the empire state building on oh, the, okay. um, on the box. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. That design was originally done for London. I do was it? That. How do you know that? I I think I saw it once in a documentary. <laughs> Talking about the map of the subways and how it was so clear and easy to follow and understand that cities everywhere started copying. Interesting. So I've seen, I mean, I've seen that style everywhere in France, Paris, right? And D.C. and San Francisco. They all use the same style. It, it, it works so Interesting. well. So maybe it's Big Ben instead? I have no idea. Beats me. It's, it's whatever you need it to be. Anyway, so it's $49 to get the game. <laughs> and it's going to be finishing on June 15th. And they're already funded and into stretch goals. Cool, okay. So that's that one. And then the next one that I'm going to be talking about is Anachrony. Anachrony also looks really neat. Anachrony is one of those ones that does, in my opinion, time travel right to a very limited degree. It's not fully time travel. It's interacting with your future self. In Anachrony, you are a leader of a city that is about to be hit with a cataclysm, a meteor strike or something really bad, blow up the world, and it's up to you to prevent that cataclysm from occurring. And the way you know about this cataclysm is because after the cataclysm after Armageddon, it becomes like time is ruptured because of it. And so your future selves are able to come back in time and warn you and send you stuff so that you can start getting prepared to lead the world in the time of despair. And essentially when they're sending you stuff, you're thinking of it now and saying sort of like, I know later to send myself this now. And so it just pops up because they can send it to you. But then later on, you have to fill the cycle. So later on, you have to then go send it back to yourself. So, oh, wow. right. That's an that's interesting cool. way of doing things that that time cycle that you have to complete. You are required to complete it. And the that's one of the core mechanisms of the game. The other core mechanism of the game 
is a worker placement type game because each of the cities is outside the area where you can go and you can collect resources and buildings and construct stuff. And on your turn, you have to set aside workers to either build up money, which is water in this world, um, or send those workers out to build structures or use structures or collect other resources. And so you're, so it's primarily a worker placement, but everyone knows how many workers you've dedicated to going outside before everyone starts doing that. So it makes it a little bit easier to plan for. If you like minis, it has um, some really nice looking minis. When the idea of the worker placement is that they have to, you have to load the different types of workers, like an engineer or a mechanic, whatever it is, into these exosuits and send them out. So if you're doing the Kickstarter version, you can actually slot your little cardboard tokens into these big mini exosuits and send them out. That looks really neat. (laughs) It's neat. That's a really neat thing to be able to do. That is entirely just if you're trying to pimp out your game, because you don't need to get that. If you want to get the extra pieces, that's a $79 pledge in order to get that. If you don't want those minis, it's only a $59 pledge. Now, if you do get those minis, you'll also get the um, extra modular expansion to give you some other boards and some other things. If you don't want that, you don't need that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's neat. The art looks neat. Yeah, it looks really cool. The idea of having the back-in-time cycle and having to designate your workers for the different types of things. And it's also got the idea that the different workers, like if you've ever played um, Minion Games's... um, bomb game the name is not coming to mind right the second oh the one where you're making making a bomb bomb? yes you're a mad scientist i played but that one also has and not energy empire is close to it but energy empire has the same mechanic but you have these cardboard tokens for the different types of workers because all the different types of workers can do different types of things and so this has the same Mm -hmm. kind of thing how there's different cardboard tokens for everyone to do their own different type of thing Needs Plus, it, it has custom dice. It just has the couple it, custom okay, dice. Cool. This is a game I would like to back, but it's expensive. Get to it. It is. That's yeah, and that's why it's expensive. It has a lot of color to it. I mean, just looking at the page, you're almost thrown at all the different colors and and everything going into it. Yep, and yet the box front is so not colorful. Austere. <laughs> Yeah, it's well. I to me, it's dull. Dull. I don't like the box. Interesting. Yeah. I, I would, like the box. I would ignore that if I saw it at a game store. The box is one of those mind trap type things where you have triangles all interlocking in a shape that cannot exist in actual real world physics because of the yeah. way it all interlocks. Very Escher-esque. Yes. Very Escher-esque. And that is sort of the symbol of the time riffs and things going on, I think. And it's a pretty austere box. It doesn't throw as much color at you. But if you look at the components and all the colors that are on all the components, it doesn't look at all like the box with the austere simplicity of it. But I am a fan of the of the box art. I think maybe I would prefer a little bit less color for all the different things. 
but I don't have a problem with them. I think they still look really nice. They do, yeah. <laughs> and this is done by the same people that did Tricarion. And Tricarion also sort of had all of these very colorful pieces of art in the background of all the pieces. Because, I mean, like, with the player boards, you don't need to have... You could just have the person instead of the, having the art piece behind them. And I think that would be fine, if anything, possibly for me, better. But that's just sort of the style that they're using, and I don't have a problem with it. It still looks really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like me and you don't like the box, they if you back it at $79, you'll get a sleeve to cover the picture. <laughs> And there's four different sleeves to pick from in different colors. There's a harmony sleeve, a salvation, a progress, or a dominant sleeve. And those match, I believe, the different... Yeah, those are the different types of people you can be, the different yeah, paths. Yeah, factions. Or, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that changes everything. Does it really? <laughs> no, not really. Oh, because I don't keep <laughs> sleeves on my game boxes. I don't keep sleeves I- on my books either. Yeah, you know, I do only for Victory Point games. Well, that's because Victory Point games, you can't tell the difference otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, you have to. That's what, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm happy that Victory Point games is coming out with so many deluxe editions ones, because, you know, I don't like that box. (laughs) The pizza boxes, it's not great. Anyway, so the reason why we brought up this one originally is even though it's worker placement, they did have a solo stretch goal. Um, which had some extra components. It's another board, an extra six tokens, and a D6 die. This one was developed in advance, um, and the solo variant was simply because it had extra components. That's why it wasn't in there originally, and you know you just have to build up to it. Um, but it was developed in advance. I did speak with the designer about it. Um, I haven't had a chance to either play or demo it or you know really look into it, but when the designer says, yeah, we developed, we had, we play tested in advance and everything looks pretty nice to me. So cool. Hmm. Okay. Bookmark this one. Star remind me. There we go. It is reminding me. So that's anachrony. All right. And that ends June 7th. So speaking of all these variants, we have a discussion topic, Mm -hmm. Albert. That's right. That's right. An interesting one, too. An interesting one, too. Where this actually started um, is I was browsing on the forums one point in time. And by the forums, I'm not referring to the guild in specific. I know there's the rest of the BGG where, you know, some of our members rightly don't like to go. I, I totally understand that. But there is the rest of BGG. And on the general gaming forum at one point in time, someone posted a topic solo play open letter no it's not weird and the initial focus that they were putting on was that i'm guessing they were getting some pushback that they wanted to do solitaire gaming and other people were accusing them of being weird and antisocial and not liking people or just being strange for not wanting to play with other people I don't think we even need to necessarily speak about that particular claim on this one. I mean, Mm -mm. if I can say anything, I know that I've felt some of that pushback himself. I saw some people who were coming on the, on the post and saying, no, I've never heard anyone saying it's weird. And everyone says it's normal. I I've also seen some people saying it's abnormal. 
Um, I don't think I've, uh, did I tell you about the annoying hacker that was way back when Tiny Epic Galaxies, one of the Tiny Epics was having its, um, poll for a first mm-hmm. play expansion or fifth play expansion? Yep. Did I tell you about the hacker or not the hacker, the robot that started I, spamming me? No, I don't remember that. Um, what happened back then was, so, there was that thing going on. I don't know why they decided to target me. It just wasn't a wise idea at the very least. But they decided to target me and they set up a robot to every five minutes send me a geek mail from a new user account to send me a geek mail that said, um, solo play variants like masturbating on board games. Oh, wow. And it sent me that message every five minutes. And I, decided to delete the first two or three or something like that. But then after that, I went to one of the BGG admins. I'm like, this guy needs to get banned. And they said, yes, we will take care of it and ban his IP address. And I did not hear from the guy afterwards. Um, so there are definitely people out there that can be rude and close minded. So mm-hmm. I can totally understand that. Um, but I don't think we need to necessarily directly address that. There was something else interesting that happened in that, in that forum though, in the thread though. Some people gave some pushback saying that, you know, solitaire gaming is just fine, but they said, why is it that you, that people always need to come on and say, Hey, is there a solo variant or Hey, does it support solitaire play? And these people were complaining, not everything needs to support solitaire play. You know, you don't need to constantly be coming on here, they say, and asking whether or not it supports solitaire play. Mm, yeah, it's, that's interesting. It's it's funny how often I have a game or I'm thinking about getting a game and I'll go look at the forums and see if there's a variant that says, mm-hmm. you know, this is a solitaire game or somebody else asks that question. And it seems like for just about every single game you go look on, either that question has been asked or somebody has come up with a variant. And I, th- so, <laughs> I mean... It's funny that we're seeing so, so many ones coming out with a, either an official solo variant or an unofficial solo variant. Um, I mean, me, myself, personally, I tend not to do so much of the unofficial solitaire variants and stick with the official solitaire variants. Um, but, I mean, we continue to see it. And I think, if anything, that's really kudos to everyone on the guild and all of the d- growing demand for solitaire play. Mm-hmm. You know... I don't think that necessarily it's a problem that we continue to ask about what about solitaire mode. I think at one point in time, I saw, I felt like I saw all the time people asking, well, what about a five player mode for so many games that are four player only? You know? That's interesting. I haven't seen that. Of course, I've never really looked for that. I used to see it a lot more often. You're starting to see more and more games that actually already go two to five. Um, because especially on Kickstarter realms, they want to try and pick up as many interested people as possible. So they'll start bringing it two to five or one to five or whatever they can do, but they'll start doing it two to five because there's a lot of people who want those higher player accounts who want it to be five players and not just four. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And you know, yeah, it'd be great if every game could support any number of players, but you know, on the other hand, I do realize that that's a huge amount of effort for the developers. I also think there's some games that just don't come over well into solitaire modes. Yeah. There's some that just don't yeah. do it very well. And there's some that I just think don't really need to be designed to do it well. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, well, uh, on the other hand, I think I think it would work fine, 
but I think too many people get fixated on the idea that the solitaire game has to feel just like the multiplayer game. I, what do you I mean think by that, that is, I mean, you know, somebody will say, well, I don't like the solitaire game because it, it, it lacks certain aspects of the multiplayer game, some of the head to head challenge or, or some of the, the auction mechanism or whatever. And I don't think every game needs to duplicate all the mechanics necessarily. Um, but at least offer interesting ways to accomplish the same sort of tension. Well, I think it has to be or, it has to be played the same. It can't be that you're not playing the same game, but the game can be playing you differently. Like you know, with many of the um, we were talking about Morton's um, auto- automas, and those don't play the game the same way. They ignore many different parts of the game and just sort of mm-hmm. don't bother with it. So you'll never need to deal with. You know, turn order, stuff like that, depending upon the version of the game. That's fine, but as long as you feel like you're playing the same game. But if you don't feel like you're playing the same game, I do think that's a problem. Yeah, I would like to actually see somebody come up with a game and say, I have a game, all these components, and over here I have a solitaire game and a multiplayer game. And they're different games with the same theme, but they're, they play totally different, and they're not even supposed to be the same game. They just happen to share components and theme. Well, that's five, I, I mean, 504. <laughs> it, have you, have you well, heard of 504? <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't have, well, it does have a theme, I guess, but that's, that's all over the place. It, it's all over the place. <laughs> it has a theme. It's a paper thin theme. You're doing stuff, essentially. There's various worlds and you're going and doing stuff, colonizing different worlds to some mm. different degree. It's a paper thin theme, but, you know, I don't, I, I've played a couple of 504s. I never feel like I'm invested in the game because there's not a very good tie from what I'm doing to what is on the board, from the theme to the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like whenever you have two different mechanics with the same components, you're going to run into that issue. Yeah, but I think 504, it's an unfair comparison because that isn't really a game. You sit down and play a game of it once and move on. I think to really appreciate it, you have to play multiple games with the same modules, but tweak it. Maybe like, you know, first use, use, I don't remember the numbering system, but use like, use three modules and then maybe switch the order on two of them or swap out one module and, and just keep adjusting the game slightly and, and see how the game changes from play to play that way. But you're not saying that would be your, your hypothetical solitaire multiplayer with the same components. It's a different game between the two. It's just the same mm-hmm. theme. Somehow. Same theme, but just two, two different games about the same theme. Um, let me see. Just, just for example, maybe maybe your game is about um, middle age uh, trading, mm-hmm. right? And maybe in maybe in the multiplayer game, you're dealing with a a bazaar and where everybody's buying and selling from each other. And in the solitaire game, instead of that, you're dealing with running a perfect stall. Mm-hmm. And and so they're the same sort of theme, and a lot of the same components would be in there. But they they don't play it all the same. I agree, and you know I think that'd be interesting. I don't I don't know we'll see that either necessarily, but that would be interesting. I just don't think people should be fixated in the idea that the solitaire game needs to be like the multiplayer game. Well, as long as it's interesting. Well, do you think that every game should have a solitaire mode? In an ideal world, should every game have a solitaire mode? Yes, because there's so many neat games that I would like to be able to play solitaire that I can't because they don't have a solitaire mode. I, you know, in an ideal world, I don't think it's realistic to, to ever expect that. 
Well, I mean, we're talking about unlimited design. I think that there are some games yeah. that just simply cannot support solitaire. Well, yeah, auctions, for example, are really hard to do, right? You know, I, I think there's ways to implement that sort of mechanic. It becomes it becomes very hard. Like, for instance, Seven yeah. Wonder Duels or Patchwork. Those are games that you cannot have a solitaire mode for those games because it requires too much human intelligence and cunning in what you're going to be taking off the board. Mm. It can be completely there, random. There is a variant for Patchwork. There is a... Uh, I have no idea what the variant for Patchwork is. Yeah, same here. But I know it exists. <laughs> but to me, it just feels like it... I mean, it could be. Yeah. That, that could be striking it directly against my whole point. I've not played the variant to see how it is. But when I'm playing Patchwork against someone, you know, they will take things off the board that I'm looking for because it's a much better card for what it is that we're doing at that point in time. You know? Mm-hmm. Like with Patrick, if you played sense. Patchwork, you get various different shapes and size tiles to put on your board and put them out. And when I'm playing, at least, I found that at different points and times in the game, the different ones are more useful. So, for example, early on in the game, you would never want to take the teeny tiny one. It's just not useful at that point in time. You'll want to try to save that for later. But sometimes a random thing might end up taking it just because it wants it completely at random, even though I can't use it. Mm, I see what you're saying. Yep, that, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. I think there are other games that necessarily don't necessarily need a solitaire variant. Um, party games, for example. True. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of those are social interaction, and and so having a solitaire variant is, is sort of silly. And I mean, some people <laughs> some people have asked also asked me about um, Seafall which is the upcoming plaid hat mm-hmm. um, legacy style game. Mm-hmm. And I also think that's one that probably, you know, I don't think that a solitaire variant is going to work very well for that game. Not only because in order to develop the solitaire variant for it, you'd have to know everything that's coming up in advance, which either requires you to be the designer or have already spoiled it for yourself, in which case you're just doing mm-hmm. it for everyone okay. else. But, the idea is you're going out and you're competitively exploring this whole world and trying to fight to unlock milestones. But a computer, if it unlocks milestones for you, you still get to experience all of those. And I feel like half of the experience is fighting to get to open up the cool stuff. And if the computer is opening up cool stuff, I feel like that's going to take away too much of the experience for you. Yep, I see. Unless it could somehow, maybe just not tell you what the stuff is and never let you figure it out. Uh, but that that might be hard it, to do. It, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's the sort of things. Like, I just don't think that all of these things need to necessarily have a solitaire variant, which is hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'd like to say, like, multiplayer games that have a lot of interaction generally shouldn't have a solitaire variant. But then there's exceptions, like all the coin games. They're, they're four player games that are highly interactive. And yet, there's AIs to manage three of the four sides. Actually, there's AIs for all four sides, and you just pick which one you want to play. Um, if I remember right, like for example, in Cuba Libre, you pick of two different sides, and the other two are always AI controlled. I think it comes down to can if the other players can be simulated by a random bot and still make for an enjoyable play, then fine. But if simulating by a random bot isn't going to work and you need to have an artificial intelligence, it's just not going to work, and I don't necessarily know that it should be 
you know necessarily considered fun. Mm-hmm. Well, the coin games are like that, where where it is, it's not random. It's very specific choices. You know, if if this is true, then the AI always takes this choice. You know, otherwise, this is the next best choice. It's always going to pick this one, or there's and so on. So there's a very well, but that's that's a le- that's a level of choices. I suppose really the only one I can start uh, eliminating from that is auctions. But even for auctions, I suppose it's not because we have the Automa system for um, between two cities, which works pretty well also. Except that you just have to. It, it works pretty well because each set of tiles is worth points, and so you can figure out how many points each tile would be worth to the opponent to the computer player and take one from that but something like seven wonders duel it's not all worth points so you wouldn't be able to do the same sort of auction mechanic and randomization i don't Mm -hmm. think would work yeah i think you might be right i'll still have my notes I can't even read this. Often a solo variant feels lacking because it is naturally gets because it naturally gets compared. Oh yeah. Well, you know that's an issue with all the solitaire variants that do come out. Is uh, a lot of times people say, "Oh, they're not that. The rules aren't that good. It's not interesting because it's getting compared to the multiplayer game." And a lot of times the solitaire variants leave out something from the multiplayer game. Um. And you know what I wonder about that is how often in these cases would the solitaire game have been considered fun or great if there wasn't something else to compare it that had just a little bit more in it? What do you mean? Um, well, nothing specific comes to mind, but you know, um, th- there'll be cases where where you have a game and maybe it has an auction mechanic, and so they just leave out the whole auction phase and say, "Oh, this never happens. Just pick a tile." That's and, as long as the game isn't the, fully auctioned, but yeah. Right, well, yeah, it's it's just a minor part of it. An interesting part, but not it's, doesn't the game doesn't focus around it. But then you play the solitaire variant without that, and you say, nah, it's not as good as a multiplayer game. This is, eh, it's not so great. But in fact, if there never had been a multiplayer version of the game, it might have been really fun just playing solitaire because you'd never know to compare it to something else. Right, you'd never say, oh, this could be so much better if there's an auction here because you have never thought of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I wonder if, I have no idea where I'm going with this, but I wonder if more multiplayer or solitaire variants just get dismissed because they, they're, they've they been compared unfairly against a multiplayer game. And I, I feel like we're continuing to use example of auctions. <laughs> auctions are hard to implement, auctions, I guess. I, I mean, I guess they are hard to implement as long as you don't have a point-based but, system for what it is that you're taking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we have many variants for worker placement, for terrain battles, for action selection. Many of these different things already have sort of like classic ways of figuring out ways of doing it. I think really we're still struggling with auctions. But even I see some people, you know, simply saying like, pick the highest, like they'll put in the corner of it a rating for the solitaire computer onto their card. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, we'll take the highest, the, the computer will take the highest part of the card. So it, desi- it requires putting in a special part of the design to do it, but they get around to it. Yeah, that's true. And the, the Steam variant, um, there's a solitaire variant for that game. 
And that takes care of it by instead of doing an auction, you choose your action. You're not competing against anybody else. You're playing solos. You choose your action. And then what happens, you can't choose that action again until you've chosen all the others. Um, and so that's how it takes care of eliminating options. Once you've done mm-hmm. it, you can't do it again. And so th- there are different ways to, to try and simulate auctions. Yeah, I hear that. That'd be an interesting topic all its own. How to simulate auctions? Yeah, different different ways to deal with auctions and solitaire games. We need a panel discussion on that. <laughs> Grab Morton. Yep. There's our panel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess really, I, I'm, I suppose I'm coming around to it saying, well, maybe every single game can actually have, as we're talking about it, I'm trying to think of examples of games which can't have solitaire modes. And I'm not really coming with any that we haven't seen that type of game with a solitaire mode. I mean, we have a couple examples. I mean, the only one that's really coming is Seven Wonders Duel or Seven Wonders, which are not really coming up to mind with specific methods. But I think that's because of the way the game itself was designed, but not that that type of mechanic couldn't have had a solitaire mode. Well, let's look at it this way. Why should games not have solitaire modes? What what would be a good reason for not including one? Um, Well, I mean, one of them has to do with the level of components. Even adding in an extra rulebook page is an extra expense to a game. And as I'm sure you're aware, when you're making your Kickstarter budget, you try and make yourself as shoestring thin as you can because you just want to hit that goal. So if solitaire mode requires an extra die (laughs) if solitaire mode requires Mm -hmm. an extra page in the rule you will take it out because you simply don't want to do that and i know many people do that for the fifth player expansions because it's a whole nother set of components that are required i'm thinking of tossetti another recent kickstarter game which was a space themed game their first ask on kickstarter was one to five with a bunch of really nice components and it didn't go because in order to one to five, you need a lot of extra components. So they scaled it back and they said, okay, we're going to do two to four and we'll have a stretch goal for one and a stretch goal for five. And we'll see if we hit it. And they hit it. They knocked it out of the park the second time around <laughs> because their ask was a lot lower. That's funny. So I yep. think sometimes it okay, comes so into components. So, so a large one reason will be because of the cost. I think another the reason, reason, sadly, is we see a lot of Kickstarter people listening to, you know, us here, the little guys who keep saying solo mode, solo mode. I don't know if we're yet seeing it move to um, the bigger studios. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, some do, right? I know Portal Games supports all. I, I mean, here's the question. Is Portal but Games most is Portal Games a bigger or a smaller? I've thought the well, I mean, they're not one of the biggest, but they're definitely growing and publishing a lot more every year. It seems they are going and publishing a so, lot more. But I, yeah, I right. think of you know Portal or Stronghold, or you know, those are smaller ones because I can think of a face, and they continue to try and do media outreach. Portal has their own uh, video blog, they have their own podcast. And they are continuing to mm-hmm. do media outreach. But say Z-Man, for example. Is there a face of Z-Man? Are they doing media outreach? Do they constantly chat? Anymore. No. Nope. But they support solitaire play. Do they? 
Well, I mean, they got they got Oniram, and if you go to their page, there is a section for solitary well, games. Well, what they do it's is small, they have it's no, tiny. Well, what they have is they have some solitaire games. So they have one designer who's doing solitaire games. But I think that many of their games could have solo modes, but they don't put any in. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to put in solo that's, modes. That's and if they were having to do it on Kickstarter, I can reassure you, people would be saying, hey, can you put in a solo mode? And they get enough requests worth, and they put it. But they have their own funds. So I don't think they ever have to listen to people ask for it, and they don't, they don't do it. Yeah, it does make sense. So I think that we, you know, it's hard because you see these people here who, is it right that, and I'll say I do this too, is it right for us to, when we see a game come out, to almost knee-jerk say, does it have a solo mode? Is that the right thing to do? Is that cause, is that giving us, us as the solitary, the solo community here, is that giving us a bad name? <laughs> you know, I can't imagine why it would be a, considered a bad thing. So, so that one comment you mentioned, I just find it straight that somebody, strange that somebody would get frustrated about that happening. That somebody's always asking for solitary variants because you could just ignore the comment. That, that seems like a strange thing to say. Um, I don't know. I, I find it, there, there's a, uh, common internet problem. The someone on the internet is wrong <laughs> oh. <laughs> syndrome, <clears throat> which I think, um, XKCD was the first one who did something like that. Pause for a second while I find it. But it's the idea that for many people, when you see someone doing something wrong or saying something wrong on the internet, you almost have to be like, no, they're wrong. And I'm not going to give, (laughs) I'm not going to give in. And it sort of can really bring up your ire when you see something doing um, something wrong on the internet. And if you're familiar with XKCD, it's a web comic. Um, Okay. It's a web comic, which is very stick figure ish. And I'm reminded of one particular comic where you have the guy sitting at the computer and someone off set says, are you coming to bed? He says, I can't. This is important. They say, what? And he says, someone is wrong on the internet. (laughs) And you kind of see this. You kind of see people get much more heated about things that they see wrong on the internet than they see in real life. And when someone sees, you know, the mass of people who keep saying solo mode and demanding it and things like that when they don't care about it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to alienate those people cause I feel like they're all potential converts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't think asking for solitaire variants is a bad thing at all. Cause they, if people keep posing it, eventually folks will start. Yeah, I agree. Cause I only think that we could have gotten to here if we hadn't kept on asking. Yeah. Yep. Assuming they look at the PGG forums. <laughs> or they're on Kickstarter. Or they're on Kickstarter, yep. Which are more and more and more. And I That's mean, now you're hearing it. I don't know if you listen to the Dice Tower, but you also hear the one guy on the Dice Tower, which I find strange, but I don't want to... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the one on the Dice Tower, it's a gamer who uses solitaire gaming for social recharge. And that's his whole point of the Dice Tower one is what he does to solo game for a social social recharge. 
I don't feel like I use solitaire gaming for that, and I find it funny that that's the one that's on the dice tower as opposed to just one that's, you know, all solitaire gaming as opposed to just that one type of solitaire gaming. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, everybody's got different reasons for doing it. Everyone does, but I just feel like you could be more inclusive on that particular segment. Okay. I know there is one podcast on the Dice Tower Network where the the guy plays solitaire games. Um, There's lots where they play solitaire games. Are they? Okay. There's actually lots. I I know that some of the guys on um, D6G play solitaire games. Some of the guys Mm -hmm. on... on onboard games play solitaire games let me see some of the guys on secret cabal play solitaire games some yep. of the guys the broken meeple does i don't listen to broken meeple but some of the guys on blue pig pink peg play solitaire games some of the guys on um there's one more i'm thinking of it. it's not coming to mind it's the one oh i'm building the game is the one i'm thinking of play solitaire games I just don't think that they make a huge point about it because, you know, they don't have a podcast dedicated to it. <laughs> it's not their podcast, but I think that they all do. Okay. Well, it's, then then it'll just keep happening and soon every game will have solitaire. <laughs> I don't know if every game will have solitaire, but many, many, no. many more. Yep, definitely. Many, many, many more. Neat. So let's talk about one game that has solitaire play then. <laughs> okay. So we are reviewing today Burgle Bros. Uh, Burgle Bros is a co-op game, a cooperative game where one to four players are a crew. This is sort of like Ocean's Eleven, if you've seen that movie, mm-hmm. where your crew trying to break into a building, escape guards and traps and alarms, um, find the safes break into the safes and escape out the roof with all of the loot. The game is meant to be humorous and it's not meant to take itself seriously. And you especially will see that as you figure out what the loot is, but it's meant to be funny. So each player it's asymmetrical player powers. So each player has their own unique special power, sort of like in pandemic, how each player has their own thing they can do. So like, for instance, you can be like this, I'm trying to remember all the different powers, but like you can be the safe cracker or the um, mm-hmm. fortune teller or the person who has the owl. And so each person is a different thing. The way the board works is there's a bunch of different tiles. Um, if you're familiar with like forbidden desert, that sort of thing, these are thick square tiles Yep. Each one of those tiles is a room. You'll shuffle them up so that you make three blocks of four by four. And each one of those four by four blocks is a floor in the building that you're going to be entering into. And you'll figure out, you'll randomly determine which floor, which room on the first floor you enter to, and you'll flip over that room. And that's the room that you're going to be starting in. And the goal is to use your actions so it's an action selection game to move around the board look into all the different rooms until you find the safe and each one of the rooms does something different the most important room is the safe because the safe is where you find the loot and you'll sneak around all the rooms and i'll get to all the other rooms do and how the safe works in a second but you'll sneak around so your main actions are going to be you move and you peek um Peeking lets you look at a room first. So you can look at the next room that you could move into or upstairs if you want to go up to the next floor. 
um, and figure out whether or not you're moving there. Or you could just move into a room. If you move into a room that you peeked at or that you know before, so then you'll know what you're jumping into. But if you're low on time, you can just not spend the action peeking and jump straight into a room without knowing what it is. That can be very risky because many rooms will trap you or drop you. Like there's some rooms that as soon as you jump into it, an alarm goes off or you'll drop down to the lower level or a guard will see you if they're close by. So those all can be very bad things. Mm. Is this a, a real-time game at all? This is not a real-time game. This is an action selection game where each player is taking their turn, similar to Pandemic. Um, so you take your turn and you have a number of actions, four actions, and you can use them to move around the board and do various different things as you like. Okay. So it is an action selection game. It is not real-time. Okay. So you get to spend your actions, and so the common ones are going to be moving around and peeking into rooms. Um, after you finish taking all your four actions, and I haven't said all the things you do actions, but after you take all your four actions, the guard gets to move. Each floor has a guard, and there's a red die that goes out somewhere on the floor that shows how fast he is and where he's heading towards. The So the first floor, the red die starts at two, the next floor is on three, and the next floor is four. So he'll move two spaces on that floor each time it's his turn. And he'll always be trying to move closer to his destination. And if he walks by you, so he'll see you and you have to spend one of your hit points, it's called stealth in the game, to essentially duck out of his way. And if he sees you enough time, if you run out of stealth, so he'll catch one of your guys and you lose the game. Um, clearly that's a bad thing because you've been caught. So mm. the guard is one of the random things. What makes it particularly hard with the guard is if everyone's on the same floor, that guard is going to trigger for each player's turn. But if the players are spread out across the floors, or if you're playing the game with only one guy, only the guard on your floor is going to trigger. So if everyone's clumped up on one floor, it's much more likely that the guard's going to grab you because he's going to move a lot of times before you get to duck back out of his way. So sometimes it's advantageous to try and split up across floors so that he can't grab you. Um, okay. Go ahead. No, it's okay. All right. Um, so now that when you're moving around the rooms, you're not free to just move in any direction. There are these small little wooden blocks. Like if you imagine the road pieces in Cellars of Catan, there's these small little wooden blocks and they make up the floor layout. And you can do it randomly or with some constructed sets you can have from online. But the board, the, the game does come with a recommended way of doing it. And so you'll lay out these wooden pieces in the layout for the floor and you can't move through a wall unless you like use TNT or you use one of the character special part, special, um, abilities or something like that. So you can't move through the wall. And that will determine sometimes you'll get sort of stuck in a corner and the guard will be coming at you and you can't get out of it because of that wall. Uh, before I get into the mm -hmm. rest of the rooms, one other thing that's interesting is there's the three different decks of cards in addition. So let's, uh, so there's the three different decks of things that the players can use. And there's the patrol deck that the guard uses. So I said that the red die comes out and that shows where the guard's going next. Each floor has a patrol deck, 
and when the guard reaches his destination where the red die is, you'll flip over the patrol deck and then you'll move and that shows a four by four grid and you'll move the red die to wherever it pops up on that grid. So that's how you figure out where the guard is going next. If you ever don't use all of your actions on your turn, if you only use one or two, you'll flip over an event from the event deck. Some of these are good. Some of them are bad. Um, they're usually quite funny, whatever it is that happens. So these can be things like the guard moves an extra time, or you move super slow, or the wall falls out from beneath you, or you jump on a spring trap and it launches you up to the ceiling and all sorts of silly things come up in the event deck. And sometimes it's like you duck into the toilet and you get an extra stealth. (laughs) They can be really good or really bad, but it tends to be um, quite dramatic, whatever is happening. Um, Then there's the tool deck and the loot deck. And both of those are going to be coming. You can get extra tools from one of the rooms, If you get into a room and you're the first one there, you can pick up some tools. Or you can get both tools and loot from the safe. The way the safe works is when you reveal the safe, you also have to reveal all of the rooms on the same row and column as that safe. So there'll be the row of four and the column of four that are in the same one as the safe. There are green dice that come with the game. When you're on the safe you can pick either to add more dice to the safe or to roll those dice. And the die stays on the safe. So you can spend actions just adding the dice so that maybe you'll have a better chance of rolling the numbers you need later. When you roll the dice, each of the rooms has a small number, except the safe, has a small number in the corner, a number one through six. So you'll roll all of the dice... And, um, and any numbers that show in that row or column, you'll be able to put down, um, a, uh, you'll be able to put down a cracked token, a small little green token on that number, which shows that you got that part of the combination. Once you filled all six of, all six of the other tiles in the same row and column as the safe, you'll have cracked the safe. And at that point in time, you then get a loot and a tool. And also an alarm goes off. This alarm works differently than all the other ones. Um, this alarm, all it does is it speeds up the guard on that floor and all of the floors below it. So I said before that like the guard on the top floor is going really fast. So you might think, oh, well, I'll go up to the top floor and get that guard out of the way. And then do the easier guards on the lower floors. It doesn't work that way. Because when you do the top floor first, he'll speed up the lower floors. So you probably don't want to do that. So, But it's a silent alarm, and it won't make the guards um, jump right at you, which was an interesting thing that they didn't do that. Um, Okay. And I'll get back to how alarms work once I say more about the various different rooms. But it was interesting that they didn't do that. Could you have multiple alarms alarms going off at once? You could, but not this silent alarm. This silent alarm works differently than all the other alarms. Um, The way all the other alarms work, and all the other alarms are triggered by different types of rooms, but essentially what happens is when an alarm goes off, it temporarily changes the destination of the card. So if for some reason an alarm would go off, you put an alarm token on that room, and the guard will, on his next turn, head straight for that room, however many rooms he can go, and only then will he resume going back to his normal destination. 
So you can sort of use the alarms to control where he's going, and he'll go to the closest alarm. So you can sort of make a string of, of directions that he's going to be going if you want to control where he's going. And you will need to, at one point in time, set off an alarm to have a guard come this way and go away from your friend. But that is not how this alarm works. This is a silent alarm instead of a loud alarm. So it just speeds up everyone else. Okay. Um, so when I said, so I said when you break, crack the safe, you get a tool card and a loot card. The tool cards are a special useful ones. So for example, the ones that let you drill through walls or teleport for, through floors or look up out the windows and different sorts of things you can do with the tool cards. The loot cards are perhaps one of the funniest things in the game. The loot cards are all these crazy shenanigan type loots so for example there's one that's a persian kitty that um, when you collect that loot you get a persian kitty token and every time before you move you have to roll and if you roll a six the persian kitty starts running away and you then have to go chase the persian kitty or you have one that is the flashing tiara and it's so bright that guards can notice you from farther away or there's one that um, is a different thing that makes you go even slower. And these loot cards <laughs> are really funny and they're a big detriment to your guy. These make it really hard to continue on when you have multiple pieces of loot. <laughs> You'll find yourself very much unable to do things that you want to do. <laughs> they sound fun. And they're very, they're funny things. Like one of them is a barking dog and one of them is like a horrible piece of art. And they're all, they're very funny, different things. That's neat. So that's, so the, again, I think we've covered all of the uh, base mechanics of the game. You're spending actions to peek and move around the room and you're spending actions to try and find the uh, safe. When you find the safe, you can spend an action to add dice to it. I actually think it's two actions to add dice to it. Um, yeah, you can spend two actions to add a uh, die to it, or you can spend an action to roll the dice. If you crack the safe, you get a tool and a loot. The goal is to get all of your guys and all three pieces of loot out to the top, to the roof. If you get all of them out without getting caught, you win. Um, talking about the different types of rooms, so some of those rooms have different alarm functions. So, for example, one of them is instead of... in you're unable to go to the room until you roll a six to break the keypad. But some of them have an alarm that goes off if you enter and then leave there on the same turn. It's a motion sensor. <clears throat> and some of them have ones that if you end your, your turn there, an alarm goes off, which is a thermo sensor. You have other ones that uh, take extra time to go in or, or you set off an alarm, like the laser, like the guy having to slowly crawl over and around the laser. And so they all do different things. Or you have rooms that are secret doors that let you move through walls. Or you have a service duct that lets you go through the ducts, the air ducts, to get from one room to the other. You also have rooms that are computer rooms. If you get to a computer room, you can spend an action to put a hacking token there, which will let you cancel out that type of alarm, so the laser or the motion, you can cancel it out later, and that way you don't have to deal with the negative effect. There's camera rooms, so a guard on a camera tile can see all of the other cameras, so he would be able to spot you if you're also on a camera tile. 
So all the different rooms do a lot of different things. And I haven't even gone through all of them, but there's a lot of different types of things those rooms wow. do. Well, how many different rooms are there? There are 18 different types of rooms. Okay. That's a lot. There are. I mean, none of them are, like, complicated, and all of them say on their tile what it is that they do. So it's really easy to keep track of all of them. And how many rooms show up on a floor when you play? There are 16 on a floor. Okay. So, and that includes also the stairs. So there are 16 on a floor, and each floor has one stairs and one safe. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) One nice other thing about the components... Um, or interesting thing about the components. The game comes with meeples, which are shaped for each of the different things, and stickers for those meeples. Each guy has a regular version and an advanced version, and you can flip it over if you want to use the advanced version. But the advanced version has a different art, and you get enough stickers to, for, you get two stickers for each version of the art, but you only have one meeple. <laughs> so you have a choice. Well, which sticker do you want to put on the meeple? Oh man, okay. You can put you can put both of them. They're regular, or both of them. They're advanced, or both of them. One or the other. I mean, you know, it's up to you. However, you want to do. And I found it interesting mm-hmm. that they did it that way instead of having the same art. I guess. Yeah, and you know, it's funny if you if you have a different sticker for each side, you can't just flip over the side of the meeple to represent it because they're standing up. You know. Yeah, they're standing up. Yes. (laughs) It doesn't work. Yes. I mean, what I actually did for my copy was I just had one side be one type of art and one side be the other type of art, and I'm just okay with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. I think that's what I would do. But I'm happy they have meeples. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're shaped. Those are neat. They're always hard to stick. (laughs) Well, you have to know how to do it right, Albert. It's all about doing it. Oh, yeah. And patience. (laughs) Actually, my daughter's really good at it. I let her do those. And she does a better job than I do. Okay. <laughs> um, so have you had a chance to play this game, Albert? No, I have not played it. I've heard you talk about it, though, before. Oh, yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a good fan of it. I think it's a, a pretty fun game. There's a lot of interaction between the different... Um, when you're playing multiplayer, there's a lot of interaction between everyone else because you'll have one guy who's like... One guy's about to be trapped and get seen, and you have to run other people along and um, start triggering alarms to lure the guard back, or suddenly like duck out up the stairs. And so there's a lot of drama and a lot of tension, and you have a lot of people moving in all directions. And some of these event cards where you're just stuck and you can't move, and you're like, okay, I'm going to draw an event card, and just no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, and see how how bad or hopefully how good it is. And dealing with these loot cards, I said these these are mo- these are some of my most fun parts of the game is these loot cards because they are just really funny. Um, having the idea of the Persian kitty constantly running away from you while <laughs> yeah. you're trying to do these heists, they're very funny yeah, but, and know, they make a really nice mechanic that. when you're playing through mm-hmm. the game. Every time I try and carry my kitty for more than you know two rooms, he will jump out of my arms eventually. Exactly. <laughs> so so I can picture this. This is a perfect card. And the loot cards, the loot cards make it a lot of fun and really change up. There's a whole pile, a whole stack of loot cards. And the floor layout, although the, I mean, the different rooms will change. And like, if both of the service ducks are on the third floor next to each other, that can be annoying. <laughs> but I don't feel like there's a lot of replayability because of the different layout. 
the different character cards adds replayability, but also really the loot deck starts to add more replayability because once you, when you have two of those loot cards giving you the negative effect and you're trying to clear the third guard, which is already running around at four, it can be really difficult and challenging to finish the game. And I think that's really where a lot of the replayability comes in. And that's especially true if you're playing solo mode with only one character, which, you know, is perfectly mm-hmm. legitimate to do. Um, and the rules, the rules allow that, although typically if I'm playing solo, I play two. But if you're playing solo with only one character, your one character is going to have all of the loot. So all of those negative effects. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and that can be really hard, especially like when you grab the last safe. So you grab the last loot and you now have three negative effects. You still have to get to the, um, you still have to get out. And that guard is now moving five at a time. Mm. So he is breezing on a log. <laughs> you will never it, catch up with him. Okay. Does the game feel puzzly when you're playing it, or is there too much randomness in there for it? There's for not that? that much randomness because you know where the guard's heading next, and you have a lot of ability to interact with that in the form of alarms. Alarms let mm-hmm. you pick where the guard is going. There is some randomness in the form of event cards, and there is some randomness in that you don't know the next next time where the guard's going to go. So, or what your loot is. Or what your loot or is. Or where your loot's going to well, go. Once, once your loot is out, so it becomes a puzzle, well, how do you deal with that? Okay. Um, but the, the randomness would be, well, I thought I was safe because I figured the guard wasn't going to go one step lower, and lo and behold, I popped the patrol deck, and the next one was right where I am, and now I'm stuck. But that just becomes a matter... I mean, as long as you're not dealing with a guard that goes five in a turn, you just have to be aware that he's doing that and get away from where he's going next because he could come right to you. So no, it still does have a lot of that puzzly aspect to it. Um, which if you're worried about quarterbacking or something like that, or uh, the alpha player problem, you can sort of have that here. almost similar to the way you have it in pandemic because there's no hidden information. There's not even your own card here. There's nothing that you own personally and everyone can see everything else, but you're going to need a lot of help because if you're not working together with everyone else, the guards are going to catch you. The guards are going to be able to trip you up if you're not working together with everyone else. Even for something as simple of as where a guy on the second floor, for example, says, oh, the only way for me to get away from the guard is to jump back down to the first floor. Well, if you're on the first floor and I'm on the first floor, it could trigger the guard an extra time that I'm not planning on and then I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> going to get caught because I wasn't planning on having that happen. Mm-hmm. So that could be that could be one of the troubles that get involved. Okay. Um, I think it's almost bad to say it, but no, I think the biggest problem with the game is the game box. Mm-hmm. Which is such a neat looking box. It's a neat looking box. The box is a small little box, which is just barely big enough to keep all the components. Um, actually, the way it works is it's one of those typical two piece boxes that slide over each other, but mm-hmm. it's thin and tall. And actually, the way the box is designed, it's not designed to completely close. There's like a little block at the top so that it doesn't close all the way. And you have to use that extra bit of vertical room and lay components out on top of your tiles. It, otherwise, oh, wow. they will not fit. 
it is such a puzzle to get the whole box to get the game put away each time. Oh, I really wow, okay. wish they, I really, really <laughs> wish they would have used a bigger box. Just at an inch or something. It doesn't take a lot of space. Um, well, I, mean, I think that what they should have done is they should have moved up to like a pandemic, the cure size box or okay. just a bigger box because I don't think you can just add an inch to a box size. You have to move up to the next big box size, but I really wish mm. they would have, you know? Okay. So what, 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 how big is it? What do you compare it to? What do I compare it to? Yeah, in terms of volume, a not paperback novel. Oh, okay. It's tiny. It's like three inches by four inches by seven inches. Wow. Okay, that is small. It's tiny. It's really small. I mean, I think I may be. I don't know. I don't know if I'm exaggerating. I could take it out and measure it, but I don't know if I'm exaggerating. It's a teeny tiny box, and it's hard to fit everything into it. It's like a Star Realms card box. Yes, it's like a Star Realms card box. And on its side. Yeah. And it doesn't fit. And I think that I would have preferred also to have the game have an actual board, especially because there's the the movement, the patrol deck for each floor, and there's all the wooden room tiles and all the tiles are getting flipped over. I would have preferred if each floor, or even just have one big board for the whole floor, for the whole uh, for the whole building and actually put the tiles onto a board because having all the tiles are sort of scattered loosely it, it especially since it can take up this can take up quite a bit of table space and i sometimes like i have to compress it down and make it close and so the tiles get too close together or i have to spread it out further and I feel like I wanted to have a board to actually put things on to help bring a sense of cohesion to all of the tiles and not sort of like, I don't know, overwhelm on the type of stuff that fills the board. Okay. Well, it is frustrating when the box is so small, too. It's... Um, but I mean, but that's it's really, neat. That's my biggest con for the game is the right. box. <laughs> so you didn't mention it, what it game. is. It's like, it's like a building, right? And you, when it stands up, it's a tall building. Yes. And that's the building you're breaking into. And then the top of it is a helicopter pad, which is neat looking. Like, is that uh, is that how you're escaping? No. Um, you're escaping off the roof. Yeah, the idea is there's a helicopter oh, you are? pad. Okay. But yeah, you're escaping off the roof. Okay. And I've seen pictures on BGG where people have the game set up with three levels, one above the other in a tower. Yeah. The reminiscent game, of like a 3D chess game. The game can the, the, one of the like super expensive Kickstarter rewards was to get a 3D wooden building to put everything on. I, you know, that's super expensive. I mean, other people have made ones like that. That's also super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, honestly, it looks like it makes it a little harder to play. Like I've thought that about get your arms around it. I've thought that about Colt Express, which has the three D, um, um, yep. sh- the three D train, train on it, and you have to get your meeples into it and get stuff out of it. I have two big fingers for being able to do that easily. I'm always knocking over the train in that game. I don't know. This one looks bigger. I have no idea, but it's just too expensive for me to want to do it. You know, it just is. I would just rather have a board. Is really what it comes down to. But the problem with having a board is there's actually an expert game. Where instead of having uh, three floors, you set up the game as being two floors, and it's a five by five set of floors. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess you would have to flip the board to be able to do the extra game in that case. 
So I guess it's not that big of a deal. But the game actually, if you, this is one of those ones that has multiple levels to scale and difficulty because you can move to the expert game or you can get some of the more difficult room and wall layouts. And it also has an easier version, which is a two level, um, uh, four by four board, which is the, Intro game, the office job, which is a very easy to win one. It's only two floors and it's pretty easy to beat. But that's the intro game and it's much easier to do. Oh, look at that. Come on here. Let me try this again. Yeah, exactly. Actually, smaller than that. Wow, okay. That's tiny. Smaller than that. Yeah, that is tiny considering the how big the game looks when you see it on the table. Right, that's what I'm saying. It, it can YouTube, have a yeah. lot of sprawl. And that's one reasons why one of the reasons why I want to have like a board or playmat, but playmats are maybe more expensive. It yeah. just it it can take up a fair amount of space on the table. And what's funny is if you're playing at solitaire, when I play at solitaire, I'll set up one floor and then as I move, I'll like slide down the table. I like I'm sliding across. I'm <laughs> literally sliding across the table on my rolling rolling chair playing the game, which can be just wow. a little ridiculous. Yeah. Well, have you ever gone to sit on the other side when you're playing a game? It, you know, you got to play a, a two-player game where you're playing both sides. I don't do that like so game. often. <laughs> I don't do that. I've so done often. it a few times. And what you actually oh, physically get weird. up from one side to the other side? Yep. Uh, you know, especially if there's a lot of cards and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of setup error for each player. I've done that. I suppose more power to you. It's not something I've tried so much. <laughs> of. I find that there's enough actual solitaire games out there that I tend to be just happy playing the actual solitaire games. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the issue with those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's a space. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and so this game, is, who designed it? Let's see here. It's the same people that designed Patchwork. Um, I'm trying to take a look at, or not Patchwork. Um, Patchwork it's no. the same people that does, did, did Paperback. Okay. That's a neat looking game. Uh, it is a neat looking game. And I'll tell you in just a second. Here goes. Designer is Tim Fowers. Fowers. Yeah. A soft pub. Is it available in retail? Um, yes. It so went to retail at one point it? in time. I don't know if it still is. Okay. Easiest way to find out is let's do a quick search on Amazon. <laughs> We're doing searches, people. Just be patient. <laughs> they would not be here this that's, that's for sure. <laughs> no. I don't see it's, any, I don't see any of them. It's not a miniature market. Let's check cool stuff ink. Uh, it was at one point in time. <laughs> mm, it's not in And I actually cool believe thing. it's at my friendly local game store too. Really? Okay. So if you need a copy, contact Julius. Oh please don't. <laughs> Thanks, but no. Um but I know that it did, it went through Kickstarter and then it went through retails. I have no idea if it's intending on going up for another um, another printing. I do not know. You could get it from the publisher directly for thirty six ninety nine. Fowers Games. Well, look, they have little flashing LEDs for Burgle Brothers. <laughs> flashing LED alarms. Say what? They have these little flashing LED alarms. Go to Fowers-Games. I am at Fowers-Games.myshopify.com slash collections slash front page. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I'm at BurgleBros.com, and I don't see what you're talking about, so 
burglebros.com. Why can't you just send me a link like a normal person? Oh, I forgot. Okay, click on order today. I went away from there. I'm trying to find the thingy that you're talking about, sir. Well, go to order today and you'll see it. Back on yeah, the other I'll one? I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. I could do that. I know how. <laughs> now I do. There we go. Link sent. They look like little votive candles. Oh, boy. That would be... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> they do, in fact. Um, they're teenier. <laughs> it's special. Are they? <laughs> that might be fun. Yeah, I hear that. But let that, that, you see all the tokens. The guards also are shaped meeples, by the way. In case you didn't know that one. No stickers, mm, okay. but they're also shaped meeples. Oh, and they have the deluxe burgle tower, at least pictures of it. So what do you think of the game from my descriptions here? It sounds really neat. I would like to play it. It sounds fun. It really does. I, I mean, it sounds puzzly, and it sounds neat, and it, it, the silliness sounds great. Yes. The silliness is I the love best the part. Persian kitty. <laughs> silliness <laughs> is the best part. <laughs> I mean, it can be, sometimes it can be frustrating, like, if some of the, like, computer tiles only come up at the end, and you have to go the whole game without seeing them, that can be frustrating just from the random draw, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, that adds the replayability to a certain degree. Yeah, that's just, that's just how games are sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're easy because everything shows up right. Sometimes they're not. And the game comes with a list of what each of the rooms are. So as you reveal rooms, you can figure out what the likely chances of the remaining rooms are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Neat. And it is cooperative and it can be played solo and you set up to five. Uh, One to four, I believe. Four. Okay. I believe it's one to four, and you can just play it solo with just one guy, or you can control multiple hands, and it's entirely your choice. Have you done it with multiple hands? Um, actually, the way I normally play when I solo is I use um, two hands. Okay. Because there's no real player hands. You just have to keep track of who has the loot and what their negative effects is and what everyone's special ability is. But there's no hands, like, you know, in um, Big Book of Madness mm-hmm. or something like that, which had a lot of complex player interaction. The player interaction here is all on the board. And I find it easier to be able to do neat tricks of fooling the guard and jumping around and things like that when you have multiple characters to play around with. And also not have one character picking up all the loot, because with one character having all the loot, yeah. it is really frustrating to get anything done. <laughs> I imagine. Especially when the kitty jumps yes, out of exactly. your hands and runs away. <laughs> when the kitty jumps out of your hand and runs that. away, and then you can't move because you have that flashing tiara. Yeah, it can be really frustrating. <laughs> and so does the cat like just wander away a certain number of tiles? Or yeah, something? just does keeps it moving. Keep moving, it keeps moving. Once you lose, once you lose it, you gotta go catch it again. <laughs> That's great. That's so thematic. I mean, other than you don't usually steal cats, but <laughs> yeah, that's an issue. Well, very neat. That sounds like a fun Indeed. game. It really does. All right. I guess that's a podcast. Uh, do we want to do any... Um, oh, you're right. What's it missing? Stuff. What's it missing? That's what it's missing. Uh, what's it missing? We were missing what's it missing from what's it missing yeah. from the podcast. You know, I never contacted somebody about stuff I owe him. Still, Albert, or them. 
Yes, I need to do that. It is the person or people that when Chris and I talked. Do you want to just send it to them with their um, challenge coin? No, I should not make them wait. I could tell, maybe you know the people that haven't backed. I'll, 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 that's what we do. We've Got to pick words for people that haven't backed, and I'll say I'll send it with a challenge coin when you back that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Gee, that's that seems like a not good, nice idea. I like it. I'm pull- no, I need to figure out who it was and contact those winners. I'm pulling up the last one to see who won for the last one. So for last time, we were doing conflict of heroes, and I believe it was money which you got and jellyfish which mm-hmm. I got. <laughs> Which, thank you so much for those wonderful things. <laughs> Jellyfish. I didn't, I didn't pick them. They weren't my words. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you can blame me well, for you, picking them, because I'm just rolling a die. You know, isn't, like, um, what is it called? Napalm, just a sort of jelly. Right? So it could be, like, jellyfish. could be another type of terrible warfare. What? You throw jelly, yeah, like napalm bombs, right? They're some sort of sticky jelly that burns and sticks to your flesh and does some sort of acid burns. I think I don't actually know. <laughs> Jellyfish, the same thing. You know, you, you run at your opponent, at the enemy, and you see them in the trenches, and you throw jellyfish at them, and it burns. Ah, <laughs> that's the angle you should have taken. Whatever you say, sir. Whatever you say. <laughs> anyway, so because I was kind of late in getting it up last time, ooh, look. I actually won this one. I got five votes to your Ooh. two. Yeah, you're right. We should give him the more time. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Did you? <laughs> I got five votes. I won this one. Yay. All right. Finally got one. Apparently jellyfish worked. Nobody wanted to hear about your money. <laughs> so let's talk about what it is that Burgle Bros is missing. We actually have some new submissions. We had some submissions by... Um, Matt Berard and another couple by Jason Clark. So let's see which words we're going to be using today. All right, Albert, yours is going to be one by Patrick Bergen again. You have music. <laughs> music. Okay, yes. Yes, it's a good idea. And mine is one by Jason Clark. I have toothpicks. <laughs> oh, they're both <laughs> toothpicks. They're both needed. I mean, you know, that's that's what's broken in this game. It's not the box. Toothpicks. It's a lack of toothpicks. music and toothpicks. Okay. Um, let me get open a timer. Would you like to go? Oh, I get to choose. Well, um, you I'm going to make you go first this time. Okay. I'm ready. Clock. And go. All right, so what this game needs is music. Not the obvious kind of uh, music to play while you're playing, to listen to while you're playing the game, to add drama to the game, which would be great. But this game needs in-game music. Some of the tiles, as you flip them, might be like a DJ booth or a room which adds music, which just attracts guards, right? And it's basically just another type of alarm, a musical alarm. I mean, can you imagine, like, if you flipped over a tile and it actually made music just because you flipped it over? Yeah. Like, you know, like those uh, greeting cards exactly. that you could buy that are he- musical when you open them? That, oh, that wouldn't be annoying at all while you're playing the game. <laughs> no. Every time you touch it. Every time you touch it, it's expansion. like, ring, 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 ring. You're like, shut up. <laughs> all right. 
actually, I, I was thinking it was more disco music. Anyway, I'm going to do toothpicks whenever you're ready. <laughs> uh, okay, on your mark, get set. So this start. game already has quite a bit of table sprawl, and it comes with these big, thick wooden pieces in order to note walls. But can you imagine how much smaller the space would be if it were only toothpicks? I mean, that's a great useful thing in the game, as opposed to music constantly going off, blaring alarms every time you barely touch a tile. Here, this actually condenses the amount of table space you're taking up. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Toothpicks as tiles? Alright, you got five seconds, go. Okay. Toothpicks as tiles? (laughs) really really skinny tiles no, that's the walls. you just said oh the walls okay that's too skinny all right done real walls are thicker yeah <laughs> huh yeah i don't know what this game means i really don't a box it's a box, it's a box. i think we talked about that why wasn't that one of the words <laughs> oh gosh no you're not allowed to submit box don't even think about it don't even think about yeah. it unless it's for the challenge coin you know, somebody suggested the the challenge coin should have um, a a custom insert as a stretch go, and somebody else said, "Wait, shouldn't we get a box as a stretch go first? <laughs> yeah, that's so, called the envelope. Oh yeah, the envelope. Actually, what, what type packaging are you putting it in? A PVC envelope? I have uh, envelopes. I bought a bunch of envelopes already. They're pretty small. Just pe- it's a plastic envelope or a paper envelope with padding in it, with bubbles. But the coin comes in a. I think it comes in a little plastic case, actually. Nice. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we if we hit three hundred coins, they become cheaper. I think like a dollar something cheaper. And at that point, I'll probably get um, little pouches, little velvet drawstring bags. How close so, are we to getting that? Uh, I think I don't know. I mean, there's about one hundred and fifty backers, and I have you know I have no sense of how many coins people are getting. Let's see. What is kick, what is kick track saver going to do? Does it say? Because that's always reliable. That's not always reliable. <laughs> always. Yeah. I haven't even gone to check that. Is I thought you had to submit it to it or something. Is every project on there? I think every project is on there. Um, one point in time. <laughs> it says you're trending towards $9,000. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You know, I guess I'll start watching this now for the next few days and watch it drop. <laughs> well, if you look over at your trend, I don't think I've ever seen anything do quite like this. You have your trend jump up for the first time. Uh, then it really goes down. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> oh, nice. Nice. It's like a shark fin curve. Yeah, there you go. But that's probably going to go down to, um, I don't know, 2,600? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. You know, most Kickstarters, right, they, they start strong, then they go flat for a while, and then at the end they surge again, right? Right. I wonder if this would do that or not. I'm guessing it'll be like every other Kickstarter, but then again, most everybody that will be interested in it knew about it before it even started. And yes. we're there on day one. Yes. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, either way, at this point, it's going to get funded. The whole reason I'm doing this truly is because I want a coin. That's going to happen. I hear that very much. Right. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I, I've thought the same thing about Ashes. <laughs> Um, and making a custom uh, first, a custom active player token in Ashes, but I just think there's too many legal issues. But I really want one anyway. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so at this point, it's gonna happen, and that the rest doesn't matter. You're done. <laughs> yep. Well, then why'd you make it 21 days? 
Should have done like three days, and we could have all had it by now, right? Oh, just in case there were any complications, I, I was I thought about that. I said, you know, what if something goes in? It's really busy time of year, and if I need to suddenly dedicate a lot of time to it, I really can't in a big binge. This way, I could spread it out. Like for example, I need to do a poll showing the um, the different die colors, right? So people could vote on the colors because there's also dice. We didn't talk about that today. Um, and Chessex has like ninety different dice styles to pick from and colors. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a poll with all ninety of them on there. And so I've been that's going through work the. Great. <laughs> I know that's. I'm gonna let you vote on as much as you want and whatever happens. And then I already said I'm gonna reserve the right to. To overrule yeah. anything, right? You have like two votes for absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe so. But um, I've been looking through the internet, looking for images of each style of die, and making a list of that. And a friend said he will help me put this together in a in a a poll on BGG. <laughs> cool, cool. Because <laughs> I don't have time to do it all. I don't know when I'll finish it. I'll probably have finish it this week. I guess. <laughs> anyway, like that it is pretty late. That's a show. All right. Goodbye, listeners. Thanks, everyone. See you in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. Everybody's busy no in May. Why is everyone busy in May? It's Solitaire Gaming Month. Oh, it's also Taco <laughs> Month for some people. Oh Albert. yeah, I yeah, but I've uh, I've petered out on that at this point. You're you're going to come short of your thirty tacos. No, I have sixty-one. Oh, never mind. I've been done. <laughs> My record is seventy-five in two thousand fourteen. I think I'm not going to make that one. <laughs> you are so ridiculous. Hang on. It's easy to make tacos, though. Hello?